We acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia and their continuing connection to the land, sea and community. We pay our respects to them, their cultures, to their elders, both past and present. Hi, I'm Chris Stevens-Todd, narrator and producer of Goulburn Valley Pride's limited series, Think About It, Did It. Exploring the lives of everyday regional LGBTIQA plus Victorians. They share their experiences, what it was like to grow up in a regional town, coming out as a lesbian and later trans, standing out from others, being bashed by a male football team and losing loved ones. We tackle the 40th anniversary of decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria and have things really changed. So come along on this journey with us and hear what it was like for everyday queer regional Victorians to live in this world. You're listening to Think About It, Did It. What you may hear in some of these stories could be triggering for some people. Some stories cover self-harm, suicide, and other issues that people have gone through. If any of these things are triggering, please seek support and don't do it alone. Thanks, Peter. Welcome to being on Think About It, Did It. What made you want to share your story and be part of the Think About It, Did It project? Oh, well, thank you for inviting me, Chris. Great to be here. Look, I've always felt that, you know, if you've got something to say, you should say it rather than save it up until tomorrow. Uh, I was late coming out and and it seemed to me that uh, it may be valuable to others for me to sort of share what took me so long so that maybe they don't. You said you were late to come out, so if you don't mind saying, what age did you come out? (laughs) (laughs) Or or what year did you come out? Look, I was in my late 50s. I don't actually remember what age I was. I was in my late 50s. Uh, I had been married for a long time, you know, to a lovely person with whom I'm still very friendly. But at some stage during all that time, you know, I decided I wasn't who I thought I was. And uh, when we decided to separate, I thought, well, what am I going to do? You know, uh, do we just sort of break up and people are going to say, why have you separated? You know, what happened? Jenny and I were both very public people in town. Most people knew us. And it just seemed to me that the time was ripe to say, well, the reason we've broken up is because, you know, not that we don't like each other, but... I've actually recognised that I'm gay and uh, just doesn't work being with a girl. So we did it that way. Yeah. Interesting. How long were you with Jenny for? Uh, we were married for 38 years yes. in the end, so, uh, which is a long time, as it turns out, which may give away my age, I suppose. We, we'd met at Teachers College. Always interesting to work out, you know, how things go, but, you know, it was a very straight world back then. Mm. Uh, we had... Our sons, who were twins 37 years ago now, um, we'd been married for nine years, I suppose. And once they came along, it, I decided that my duty was to be de- to be their father until they were adults. And so somewhere in that 38 years, I worked out that you know, I wasn't as straight as I thought I was, and uh, but I had a, a, a duty to my sons. And so I stayed until they actually got married or nearly got married yeah. uh, one of them put it off a little bit yeah. and uh, 
just become a bit difficult. But and so when that that was done, you know, we uh, told them and our parents and yeah. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and um, and you said you were well known in in the community that you were in. Um, what region of Victoria did you live or grow up in? Okay, I, I grew up uh, on a dairy farm out west of Lockington, uh, and uh, which had been my grandparents' farm before that. Although my grandparents have lived on it, they lived in Rochester, uh, where my great grandparents lived. In fact, one of my great grandfathers built the Rochester Shamrock Hotel on the corner that everybody sees when they come into town. My great great grandfather lived here in Echuca for a while, so we've been around for a bit. Yeah, Northern Victoria, you know, but. Partly I was known because of growing up in Lockington, going to school for, for a while there, but, you know, mum and dad were on everything that happened out there, and so we were known for that. When I was in Echuca, after Jenny and I bought a bookshop here in town, uh, that gave you a certain pro- profile, uh, and I ended up getting onto council almost by accident. I spent 19 years on and off as a councillor and four terms as mayor, so... Wow. There, you know, I, I was accused of turning up to the opening of a door. I was everywhere to be seen. So. <laughs> uh, well, you can't get, I guess, much more high profile than being the mayor of, of the region, <laughs> um, one of the top jobs. And how was it when you came out living in regional Victoria and a smaller country town, the perception and reactions of people? Um, look, it was about 10 years ago, I guess. So for our sons, it was perhaps not as big a surprise as I might have thought, and and they were very cool about it, have never had any issues. Look, one was a little bit more conservative, concerned about his mother, but, you know, they're, they're both, I am who I am, my partner's who they are, and, and they treat us as family. Mm. And, and it's never changed, you know, we speak all the time and do things together, Jenny wasn't quite as happy. She, she had known that I was bi from the beginning. That's another story, I suppose. My mum and dad were surprisingly cool about it. I hadn't put off deciding I was gay because I worried about them. But, you know, when I told mum and dad at that stage they were in their late 80s, dad said, well, Jenny's always a member of the family. That was nice. We had no idea. That was a bit of a surprise because when I think back at what I was like when I was a teenager, I was so gay, it wasn't funny. My my dad was, you know, sort of a, a footballer type person and, and I certainly wasn't, you know, I was the, the nerdy reader. And he said, it doesn't change anything, you know, you're still our son and we love you just the same. As the rest of town, I was pleasantly surprised by the numbers of messages that I got from people who I didn't know especially well, who said, good on you. Quite a few people said they thought I was brave. I didn't actually see it as brave, but that was nice. And I didn't get a single rude message from anybody. Not, not one person said, you're a dickhead. Um, I had a couple of people say, what took you so long? Uh, and why? Quite a few people were curious and wanted to know. And from the very beginning, I'd said, you know, when we told people, I said, you can ask any question you like, you know, sort of, as part of my coming out, you know, and, to, and I think to help other people in rural areas, there is no question you can't answer. Mm. I might not want to tell you, but, you know, I'd be much happier if you asked a question rather than got stroppy. There's a few people who found it difficult, but they've kept that to themselves. For the first 12 months or so, and I think I might have mentioned this the other day, 
whenever I would go into a bar with a male friend, I would have to say to them, you, you, you do know that people are going to stare at us when we walk in and they might just think that we're sleeping together. So if you're uncomfortable about that, we shouldn't go. And not one person said, let's not go. And certainly, you know, I, I did get a little bit used to sort of people sort of turning around and staring. But all in all, a very positive response. Interestingly, probably far more accepting for from people in my parents' generation hmm. than people in my generation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've got friends who, you know, who between my age and 100, and I don't think a single one of the people that I know in that group said anything other than, oh, great stuff, good on you, which was quite surprising, really. Have you, well, in any other way, have you ever experienced harassment from anyone or seen other people um, have to go through that type of treatment? Look, I mean, it depends how far back you go, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, if, if I go back to when I was a teenager, that's that's one story. Oh, look, I... In another life, I was a teacher, and, and regardless, you know, that now, I think there are still lots of young people in country Victoria who are frightened how they will be perceived. You know, the, one of the joys of living in a big city is that you can essentially be anonymous, mm. whereas if you're in a country town, you know, everybody's going to talk about you. And if you're still working that out, I think it's hard. Have I seen people being harassed and picked on? Not in this generation. Certainly did when I was at school. But I don't think it makes it any easier. You know, you still worry about, you know, will mum and dad love you? And, and I know people, you know, who are in their 20s who, who haven't told their parents because they're worried that they'll be thrown out of the family. And I go, oh, my God, you know, who even cares about that? Not, not the mum and dad loving you, but, you know, but who... Yeah. What parent would even be bothered about what their children's sexuality is? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows somebody is gay. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, we're about one in ten in the population, and if somebody says they don't know anyone is gay, they're walking around with their eyes closed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Blend. Um, so this year also happens to be the 40th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria, yep. um, which happened in 1980. How did that? affect you? Like, did you actively know it was against the law growing up to be with another man? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was at school in the 60s and, and university in, in the beginning of the 70s and at that stage I was studying to be a lawyer. I did get thrown out of university later on but and switched to teaching. I was acutely aware of what was right and wrong in terms of the law. One of the issues as, as a law student was that you couldn't be a lawyer if you'd actually broken the law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this was the time the, the Vietnam War protests were on and, and I was, you know, a pacifist. And so um, I was torn as to sort of what I would publicly be able to do uh, given what I thought my choice of career was in, in regards to that and in relationship to doing something with, with other men. It was absolutely, you know, I mean, it was, to me, you know, a very law-abiding, you know, quite naive country boy. It was quite scary, there weren't gay clubs to go to, you know. No. How did you go and meet people? You know, I've never been to a beat in my life. I was just terrified of that because back then there, there were gangs of guys who go around who would beat people up. I just am a little bit turned off by that anyway. But, you know, it was a different time. And, and until it became legal, you know, I think it was just... I don't know how you actually dealt with it. You know, I think the people who were brave were people who were 
openly gay and, and, and living as discreetly as they could, knowing that there would be people out there who could report them, that they could get arrested, and people did. How, you know, how do you lead your life knowing, looking over your shoulder the whole time, worrying that someone may have something against you? Mm. In some ways, I feel sorry for, for, for the police, you know. I mean, they were doing their job, and, and the average policeman doesn't ask what is right or wrong about the law. The issue is the law has to be enforced. And I think that we've come a long way, you know, in, in 40 years... I'm a bail justice here in town now. Sometimes that can be interesting. But, you know, I, I'm openly gay. I go into the police station, you know, nobody says anything. You know, it's never been an issue. I was a bail justice before I came out. And it's just not been something that has been an issue ever with police today. You know, I'm, I think every group of people has, you know, individuals in it who, who have behaviour problems and, and the police are no different to any other. But by and large, as a group of people, you know, they do their job properly now. Historically, I just think it's quite weird that, you know, they would barge into sort of the illegal clubs and stuff and break it up and arrest people. Yeah. But, you know, the homophobes amongst the police probably got their rocks off by doing that. Exactly. <laughs> it was, yeah, they were probably the, uh, the ones that were the dodgy ones a lot of the time that um, barged in yeah. and treated people that way. What's some of the stuff that you're passionate about? Gosh, well, um, after I got chucked out of law school, I went and studied environmental science. That was 30 years before it was fashionable. And saving the world uh, you know, was the issue in an environmental sense. It's somewhat interesting that we've now got to the point where everyone else seems to have caught up with where, we, where I was in the 70s. And maybe that was something to do with our teaching and, and, and what we learnt at the time. I think climate change is real. People who deny it, you know, just stun me. Very happy to have the argument as to whether it's just a natural cycle or caused by man. How you can go from one billion to six billion without it being caused by man is beyond me. But um, so making the world a better place. You know, I grew up in a family that very strongly believed you didn't ask for things to be done for you. You got out and did it for others, and you tried to leave the place better than you found it. And and so. You know, my years on council were all about trying to make our community better in a whole range of ways and I've continued that you know, I'm only on half a dozen committees now cutting it down I suppose when Jenny and I moved back to the country we we came back because we wanted to live in a place where our children would grow up in a village and it wasn't just sort of isolated in the city where you could do whatever you want and and ignore your neighbours. We wanted to be part of of a world where there was connection. And I think all the sorts of things that I've done in the 40 or so years I've been back is to try and make this a place where people can have connections in ways that suit whatever their interests are. Hmm. Rather than everyone having to turn up at the footy, you know, we should meet everybody's interests in, in arts and culture, you know, in straight and gay worlds try and make sure that everybody feels a part of the community they're in, that they feel loved by the people that they're here and that they feel supported, you know. I would hope that anyone who lives in this town has a sense that if things are shitty in their world at home that there is someone out there who may be able to help them rather than feel completely isolated. Now I know it doesn't quite work like that sadly but I'm passionate I guess about the community I live in, about protecting the heritage that we have and, and making the community link together so that each of us supports. If we all help one person then everybody in town will get helped. Yeah and do you feel this region and area now 
are catering to everybody and that there is something now for all types and not just the footy for the, the sporting street guys and families? Look, we're not doing a terribly good job of it. The, the really hard part is that we can't do everything for everybody. Councils are restricted in the sort of money they've got. You know, the rates that people pay in country areas are probably double what they pay for a similar valued property in Melbourne and they get half the services. So there's no justice in that. It makes it very difficult for our local government to deliver services that I think would be appropriate. I also think there's been a significant change in the way people see the world. When I was a kid in Lockington, you know, my parents actively campaigned to get the Lockington swimming pool built, as, as an example, because... And they didn't care about us learning to swim because we swam in the channel. They wanted it as a place where you could go and meet. It was a social thing. Mm. Now, I know all of that argument has changed with pools becoming too expensive and all that, and it will change... And not every pool will be open. But at the time, they asked council for a bit, but basically they got up and did it. And I think communities, you know, 40 or 50 years ago, recognised that they had to do a lot more. Now I, I suspect we've moved slightly too far where people ask someone else to do it for them. And that's a bit of a challenge. You know, I I got myself into trouble, you know, at, at the footy club here in Ichuka when they wanted a new grandstand. And I said, well, you're paying your players to play you should be paying something towards the facilities as well. You know, um, the community at large shouldn't be putting all all the infrastructure there for you. We don't have a a big gallery here in town. We've got a a nice one, uh, but it's uh, run by volunteers and amateurs. uh, We're working on a bridge arts one, you know. That's still got a fair way to go and lots of hurdles. But if we don't actually try and do a lot of that ourselves, the government's not going to fund us. Hmm. We're too small. You know, we just don't have the numbers. And that's a very long way of sort of saying, are we doing enough to help people who are not part of the mainstream? I don't think we are, but I'm not too sure how we actually do that. You know, If I look at GB Pride, uh, it, 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 it's trying very hard to be bigger than just Shepparton. Uh, and I think in lots of ways they are succeeding. That's the way we have to move. And it's difficult for younger people who may not have the transport connections to, to link to that and may necessarily may not necessarily actually want to sort of put their hand up and say to mum and dad, oh, I'm going to get on the bus and go to the Pride thing. How do we do that? I don't know. I really don't, you know. And, and, and I think there are lots of other groups, not just the LGBTI plus pluses, that would like to have some more support than we currently give them. How do we go about doing that? If we are genuinely the second lowest taxed country in the OECD, and that's apparently the number, the place we're in, now, there's a difficulty about how it's levied. Mm. The people, the PAYG players, payers, you know, would argue that they are paying too much compared to the rich. I don't disagree with all of that. But if we are a low-tax country, we can't demand Scandinavian-style services with Turkish-style taxes. Yeah. Just doesn't match. Uh, And I think that, you know, if our community is serious, the conversation we need to have about taxes, we're all prepared to pay 5% more to get 15% better service. Mm. And I reckon that that's the real argument that 
every politician seems to avoid. And uh, you get what you pay for, and we don't pay enough, and we can't deliver. And everybody's let down. Mm. <laughs> no, that's very much a good snapshot of it. Do you think you'll always live in a chicken now? That's a really interesting question because honestly, do I know the answer? I don't. One of my sons lives in Melbourne with his wife. The other son lives here in Echuca with his wife. I have a sister and a brother here in town. Another brother lives at Seymour. Would I move to be closer to other members of my family? Probably not because we can meet wherever we need to be. All of my connections are in this community. If I moved to Melbourne, I, in lots of ways, I would be lost. You know, I would have to re-establish all of those connections, and and it's not impossible. You know, with a bit of luck, I'll live to be the same sort of age as my parents, who were ninety three and ninety four when they died. But I came back to a community where I wanted the community to be, you know, a village that we would all like to live in, and I think I've got another twenty years where I can help work on that. Mm. And uh, but it'll depend on my partner. My, my partner now works in Melbourne before COVID. And Kate, look, you know the only fabulous thing about COVID was you know, he got to work from home, my home, um, <laughs> as opposed to his home, uh, and that's been great for us because before that, you know, we were taking turns uh, swapping places at weekends, and that's that's a bit disruptive. Mm. It's not the perfect world. Um, Look, I love being in Melbourne. I love leaving it. Um, And so, you know, having the best of both worlds, maybe. But I honestly can't see myself leaving this area permanently. Yeah, no, I can totally get with the love to visit and love to come home from Melbourne. Um, Part and feeling lost, I am, you know, very much the same. I don't think I could ever live down there. So. Look, there are some fabulous things in Melbourne, you know. I, I have been to Midsummer for about the last five years and it's 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 a picnic with, you know, a hundred of my closest friends. Ah, well, you know, five thousand or whatever is there, but you know, there's a hundred or so of us who gather up and picnic and, and, and doing the Pride March, you know, and you can do things like that, you know. Honestly, I even for my age, I do kinda of like going out to circuit and appeal. Um and that's easy and it's fun and and having that sort of available to you makes the city attractive, but I can do that on the few times that I'm down there. You know, yeah. I don't have to sort of live with it around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be exhausting. <laughs> Not at my age. <laughs> uh, uh, it is at my age. We're nearly at the end, yeah. and there's a question that I've asked everybody, and that is, do you feel you're the person you want to be right now? Or is there still more to, to do and to be that person? I think I've always been extremely pragmatic. I've not wished for things that I haven't got and hope that I would achieve things that I haven't... Look, there's, other, there's things in life that it would have been nice if it had gone my way, you know. I wouldn't have minded getting a PhD, but, you know, I didn't, you know. As much as I was a teacher, I wasn't a terribly good student and it became very difficult in the country and you work full-time and volunteer almost as much. But when I was 19 uh, and I was trying to work out what my sexuality was, I went to an outrageously gay party in South Yarra taken to by a friend and uh, the next morning when I was struggling home I made the what I thought was the incredibly brave decision that the gender of the person that I was with didn't matter turned out I got that wrong but um 
So I made decisions, and I, with the information, I've always tried to sort of get all the information that's available at the time and make a decision, and that's it. I don't go back and try and think, oh, I sh- wish I had, I wish I had, you know. I think too many people, f- with the benefit of hindsight, say, why didn't I? Well, if you make a sensible decision with the information you have at the time, that's all you can do. All the rest of my family are incredibly successful financially, you know, and, and look, I live in the cheap streets in Echuga. Um <laughs> And I'm no less happy than they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I am surrounded by by a group of friends who, who have varying degrees of insanity, who are fun to be with, and you know, and I, I have a lovely partner, and and I enjoy life. And so, do I want to travel overseas a lot more? Not really. Love to do it if I can you know, see more of Australia. I don't know. I'm happy where I am. There are things that I will do better and, and try harder to change, but gee whiz, I'm happy that I'm openly gay. Although, interestingly, when I came out, I didn't feel like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders like some people expected. I just... I am who I am. I don't have to pretend anymore. So, yeah, look, I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with the decisions I've made. And I accept them, you know. And they're not all... They've not all been right. You know, you don't survive in life if you always regret having done things wrong. Now, I've tried hard not to do dumb things... That's not to say I haven't done a few, but um, <laughs> but and and probably you know I'm a pretty straight gay man, and I'm probably for someone who was on the left of politics, I'm probably quite conservative. Yeah, I'm happy where I am. Yeah, and that that's that's perfect. And yeah, I guess you know if people do make their own choices, and or we do, then as long as we learn, and sometimes we don't. And make the same mistake and takes three times and then we learn look I, I've thought that there are people who will spend their whole life hoping that the meaning of life will strike them for them to start their life or a bit like me and it was like the career sort of choice you know get on and whilst you're doing things the meaning will find you and I've never been one to wait around for the meaning to find me. I've always been out doing things, and so if it, if it strikes me down in the street, you know. And I think, you know, we're never going to get all things right. You know, people need to be brave about something, a little bit sensible. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt to be practical. We can't have everything. Mm. And that's hard, you know. It's very difficult for people to sort of get that idea, you know. You can't just jet off to London every year unless you're obscenely rich, you know, or or do a whole range of other things that I don't necessarily need to talk about. But you have a go, you get in, you try things, and do your best. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story and being a part of this project. Well, Chris, my very great pleasure. You know, I, I talk too much. <laughs> no, it's all, all good. That's it for this episode of Think About It, Did It. Join us on the next episode, and please remember, if anything you heard has caused any distress, please seek support. I'm Chris Stevens-Todd. Till next time.